I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. Oof. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. There was a lot of hype and uh, positivity. Obviously, what an actor he is is a long job. Mm. Ching, 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 ching. The opportunity came up, I auditioned for it, and then it sort of snowballed. And before we knew it, we were having those conversations with mum and dad, and, and Ross, the producer, was sitting down with us saying, you're going to have to have quite a bit of time off school. Are you guys prepared to do that? I was pretty impressed, but mostly I was into the fact that I got a little bit of money and I got the day off school. <laughs> These are some of the people who acted in Melody Rules, otherwise known as the worst sitcom ever made. I'm Jeff Houtman. I created that sitcom. And now, 25 years on, I'm peeling back the Band-Aid and examining the wound. You might remember in the first episode how I talked about this ruining my life. And, I mean, it did. I, I lost relationships. I almost burnt a liver out. But for some of these actors, it drove them to drink drugs, and even drove some of them from the country. As you found out in the last episode, the writers had been chosen, the table had assembled, and scripts had been written. Next on the agenda, finding the poor, hapless fools to speak our words. So my character was uh, Jeff Robbins. This is Ian Chapman. I was 14 at the time, and Jeff was the brother of uh, Melody, and our mother had disappeared overseas. She'd gone away and left Melody in charge with us. So um, the basic premise was a close family trying to be run by Melody, who was um, failing hopelessly. And then me and my best mate, Crayfish, Craig Fisher, we called him Crayfish. We would get up to all sorts of mischief. More or less, the character is just an exaggerated version of myself. Here's Elliot O'Donnell, who played Crayfish. I was always just a kind of a, a wacky kid. I, I have really, I, I don't know if you know, I have like quite full-on ADHD. So I'm quite quite a typical ADHD kid in that, in that sense, you know, and I was always kind of attracting a lot of attention to myself and um, always the class clown. I heard that the Gold Brigade have got an infiltrator in the first 15, and tomorrow before the game, their uniforms would have been swapped with cod pieces. <laughs> cod pieces? I can't wait to see them all running around little bits of fish. Well, I like the name Zoe. I think it means life, which is um, hilarious because she was pretty much the opposite. (laughs) This is Jodie Rimmer, who played Zoe. She was very, very dark, very cynical. She was, you know, a really grumpy teenager. I don't remember any of my storylines apart from being nasty and grumpy and stomping in my Tok Martins. Oh, there's lots of, oh, Melody, you're no fun. Yeah. 
So um, my 20s, that was the beginning of a very dark time for me, though, my 20s. Um, so thanks, Melanie Robbins. What do you think? Great. And to Jeff Robbins goes a well-deserved bronze award for being a pink mutant. If you can't say something nice about someone, say it about Jeff. I had a lot of fun playing Fiona, to be honest. Here's Susan Brady, who is Melody's best friend, Fiona. Because it's not something that I am normally. Mm-hmm. And because for me, the, the comedy isn't just pushing the truth to its stupid extremes. Do you yeah. know what I mean? The nth degree, so you, that sort of thing. Yeah. I'm going to push it till it's a little absurd. I'm going to go, you know, like if I'm really happy about something, I'm going to be really happy about something. You know, if I'm if I'm not so happy, it's going to be devastating. You know, there's nothing in between. It's going to, I'm going to go to the extremes. <laughs> He's gone, Zoe. He's gone. It's on. You'll get another one. You always do. Oh, it's not another boyfriend I need. Anyway, five would be awkward. And then, of course, this melody. The title character. The character that the entire show revolved around. The character that was in almost every scene. So Melody was a virgin. Yes. Um, and An I immaculate that, virgin. That's sort of how we thought of her, because every time we tried to give her a love interest, he had to be, you know, a, a complete nerd, um, that you couldn't imagine that they'd had sex. This is one of my writer cohorts, Dominic Shaheen. But, I mean, yeah, Melody was neutered. Uh, so Fiona, so of course then you got to push her to the crazy extent of being, you know, loose. Yes. But it did seem sort of odd that Melody therefore had to become literally virginal. So who to play Melody? Who could be funny and sweet and, well, boring? This is Nightline. Yes, Nightline. A late-night news show on TV3 that was making a name for itself for being edgy and pushing boundaries. A lot of that boundary pushing was being done by one presenter in particular. She was sort of sensational, like, at the time. Everyone was like, wow, this woman with, like, this yeah, furious red hair, you know, and um, she kind of, she was edgy. She kind of pushed the, the limits a little. It was new for New Zealand. New Zealand was, I think, still very, for mainstream, very conservative. She was a loud redhead that was um, controversial and sometimes offensive and funny and she would barely be accepted today on television. And this was back 25 years ago, so she's not going to be... She's going to have a hard time being accepted. Also, she's a woman. So um, how offensive is that? Still to come, Belinda Todd. Belinda Todd. Hi, I'm Belinda Todd. Later on, credit... Belinda Todd was going to be our melody. An outrageous, sexually charged news presenter was going to play sweet little melody. I'll get to the ridiculous reasons about why that happened soon, but first, I had to find her. You see, Belinda is no longer in New Zealand. In fact, a news article I found, written by Sarah Lang in the Herald on Sunday, says... Remember ill-fated sitcom Melody Rules? It was bad enough to drive Belinda Todd from the country. Or so the rumour goes. So, to talk to her, I had to get on a plane. We should probably explain that all the kind of clanking is the Mexican restaurant we're sitting in. It does sound like somebody may be guillotined shortly. There he goes. <laughs> all of you, everything is good for you. Oh, tudo Oh, maybe one of us, por favor. Si. Si. So international. You're so good. 
I found her in a shitty part of Los Angeles, where we met up in a noisy Mexican restaurant over jugs of margarita and some, frankly, delicious burritos. She filled me in on her post-nightline life, because by the time Melody Rules came around, Belinda had been <coughs> removed from the show as the network tried to turn it into something more newsy. So you're, you're at, at TV3, oh. the can nightline. And they don't know what to do with me. They don't, but you're they still on a sweet retainer, right? Sweet. Sweet retainer. They, they, they know they can't let anybody else have me because mm-hmm. I'm just too me. A little bit of explaining here. The retainer Belinda's talking about is basically a chunk of cash the network paid her to make sure she didn't work for anyone else. So even though she wasn't on the new, more serious, newsy nightline anymore, she was still getting a very tidy pay packet. Yeah, so my agent sent me for this edition, not even really knowing I was on retainer to TV3. And again, I'd been like, okay, I've been doing this for a year, and I was disgruntled. I actually auditioned to be Melody's best friend, who was the wacky character, because Nightline was so wacky. Um, And then they came back and said I had to be Melody. How did you take that? Optimistically, because, you know, I think until that point I was an optimistic person. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I I was like, okay, cool, it sounds like fun, it sounds like a really fun project. And of course, you know, John Vorhouse was involved, this is how we were going to, because we've always been so down on ourselves with comedy. Mm. And I was fully into it. But even I thought I was a terrible choice for Melody. Do you remember what Melody did for a job? Yeah, she was. A, yeah, she was the most boring person on earth. But that's not your intention, right? Because no one sets out to write the most boring person on earth. All I, all I had for like forty episodes was groceries. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only thing I got to touch. Up until this point, all of the writers had blinkers on. We've been working in the trenches, slaving over scripts and discussing characters, while the actors have been rehearsing and honing. And then, in walks the Belinda Todd. Belinda represented a kind of like window into a world that um, I, you know, had never really sort of set foot in. You know, like, I mean, I told you I didn't grow up with money, and you know, to to you know go to her house, you know, she invited us all over for like a cocktail party one time, and she was living down on Key Street, like literally across the road from a ferry building, looking straight at the harbour and like a penthouse kind of apartment there. She had a whole floor. Whole floor. And I was just kind of like, whoa, this is, you know, I never even knew people, there were people in New Zealand that even lived like that. Like, it was just a different world for me. And that's when we, the writers, were told the news. Belinda Todd. Crazy, sexy, edgy, boundary-pushing, glamorous Belinda Todd was going to be our melody. The reason that they chose Melody is because Belinda Todd was on contract at TV3 and they needed to find a role for Belinda and it needed to be a lead role. This is Kate Ward-Smythe. So you look at Melody and you look, Fiona Ward was the, the wacky slutty zane, best friend, right? Slutty best friend would have been perfect for our Miss Todd. Susan Brady, who played Fiona Ward, would have been bloody perfect for Melody. Because I remember, I think I was in the room when they said, yes, we've got Belinda. And I'm like, oh, my God, she's the best Fiona ever. This is perfect. And they went, no, no, as Melody. Why ask her to play a part 
that reflects none of the things that she was on doing on Nightline. And that she was good at. Yeah. Here's writers Jim McClarty and Catherine Burnett. She was provocative, she was acerbic, she was sexy, she was naughty, all these things that Melody was not. I mean, I think we all felt when we heard the news mm. that that was not going to serve the show. Yeah. Well, I think we all did because I remember hearing the news and we were in the writing room, all of us, and someone came in, must have been Ross, and made the announcement. I remember that really clearly. I remember having a sinking feeling and going, oh no, I think we're doomed. When Ross Jennings said that Belinda Todd had been cast as Melody. Laurie Dungy. And Susan Brady was her sidekick. And I do remember, it was Jim who reminded me, I even put my hand on his arm because it was almost like I was trying to forcibly stop him or repeal his words. I, when we heard that, it was, well, that can't work. That can't work. It's Susan has to be Melody, and Belinda has to be her sexually sort of wild, crazed, single friend. That's Belinda. Belinda hasn't even acted. And, and you know, I just get done saying over, but you know that can't work. That can't work. You, you, you realize that. It, that's not the right order. I auditioned for Melody. <laughs> Actor Susan Brady again. Because it was weird, because normally you just hear you've got the part, right? Yeah. But I had a, a, a meeting Ooh. with the producer, Ooh. and I was called in, and he sat me down, and he said, OK, so we'd really like you as part of our cast. And I was like, oh, cool. And he was like, but <laughs> we've decided that we want to switch you, and we're going to have Belinda play... Melody, and we want you to play Fiona. And I was like, I literally said, this is not like me at all, um, I literally went, wow, that's either going to work or it's not. <laughs> this was the moment I realised that I, even as creator, didn't have control over the show I wanted. Us writers had been giving our all, and then in one foul casting mishap, without any consultation from any of us, we could see it heading south. Because the thing is, Belinda was actually the right person. She was just given the wrong job. In every project, each person plays an important part. But you need to make sure that the part they're playing is suited to them. And Belinda was not a melody. She was a class clown, not the teacher telling you off. And I just want to say that this does not reflect badly on Belinda. Because oh, she's totally a sensational agree. talent. Poor Belinda, boy, you know, they dyed her hair. They tried to physically remake her. And this poor woman is flipping acting. And it's, it's you know, she was a TV presenter. But because she was under contract, they went, oh, she can do that. Oh, whoops, there's another big mistake. It was like we were trying to create a show to reinvent her character that she'd made for herself in TV3. And sitcoms aren't made for that. They're, they're not there. They showcase um, an established talent generally. Most most successful sitcoms have a stand-up comedian at the at the forefront, or at least a very talented actor. So they do say casting is everything, and I think this is certainly a case of that. So once you've made a bad casting decision and you've changed the actors' hair and their clothes and their personality, 
What do you do next? You teach them to act. And remember, it wasn't just Belinda who had never acted before. It was pretty much the whole cast. Yeah, the first day that I arrived, I mean, I was, it was a kid in a candy shop moment, you know? That was sort of, that was the big time for a 13-year-old. That was awesome. You know, you're rocking up, you're, you're a TV star and all this sort of stuff. That's the thing that's going through your head. Um, that was one of those really exciting moments. Uh, right at the beginning there, everything was, for me, with no exposure to that sort of thing at all, it was just exciting. It was, it was fun. I do remember Michael, the director, making us crawl around on the floor and pretend to be animals at the beginning. <laughs> we did some acting exercises. <laughs> do you remember what animal you were? I don't know. Maybe a, maybe a lion. <laughs> I don't know. I distinctly remember one of us fainted, and I can't remember whether it was me or not, but they had us stand in a row, really, really close to each other, um, sort of staring at each other an inch apart for about 10, 15 minutes and just try not to make any expression, try not to do anything. I'd... It was either me or Elliot or one of us fainted because <laughs> we'd been standing there too long, trying as hard as we could. I never rehearsed and I never was that serious about doing anything I was supposed to do. I was doing all the peripheral stuff that was fun, eating the catering, talking for long hours to everybody. I ate so many squiggle tops. Is the squiggle top squiggle pops? Remember those? The biscuits we, yeah, with the squiggly thing on top. Yeah. Someone had got a sponsorship from squiggle pops, and we had an entire cupboard filled with them. And I would just eat so many of them sometimes because I'm because my ADHD, I'm really impulsive. So if they're, they're there, I can't stop. I'm just going to eat and eat and eat. And I ate so many, and there were some days even where I would come in and I'd just be like holding back from vomiting on set because I'd eaten so many squiggle pops. Like <laughs> so crazy. While the acting lessons didn't exactly fill everyone with optimism, the read-throughs and rehearsals were different. I remember being proud of the work that we as writers had done when the actors finally got their hands on the scripts. The frustrating thing, I think, for those of us who were involved in melody rules is that I'm sorry, everyone, but there was some funny stuff in rehearsal. You know, in rehearsal, there was some stuff pinging and... It was funny. (laughs) Somewhere between the rehearsal room and the end. It It got removed? It got removed. We wanted this to work. And we took it very seriously. You know, we took took everything very seriously um, because we were stoked to have full-time jobs. We were all fairly, you know, enthusiastic about producing something that was going to be kind of cool and pretty funny. Um, And I remember that first episode, you know, thinking as we were filming it that we're going to create a few lols. We did have fun, but there was times around the table reading that that it was fun, and then it became not so much fun, um, and a bit of a dread and a bit of a a grind. And that you know what a shame. It was a shame. We all wanted this to work, and we were all working our hardest to make it work. But some decisions were out of our hands, including the one big decision of casting. To us, casting Belinda as Melody was madness. So much time and effort was spent finding the writers and we'd jump through hoops to get those jobs and worked for hours, weeks, months, but basically free to prove that we were the right ones to do it. And then in walks Belinda because of a contract quirk. To avoid failure, you need to have the right people for the right job. If you have the wrong person doing a job that they're just not suited to, then you don't stand a chance. And that's especially true in sitcom. 
each job, from the writing to the acting to the costumes to the set design to the multitude of other things that you need to get right to make something good, is important. One mistake, one person not up to the task, and you can easily find yourself faced with failure. But even when you're faced with failure, it's still important to enjoy yourself. In fact, it might be more important. There's a lot of professionalism during the day, not so much at night. We went to a couple of parties together that were sort of either hosted by um, members of the crew, God knows whose houses they were at, but they were all related to the show. So suddenly I had all this like money. My parents very sort of naively trusted that I was a good boy and was saving, you know, which was a lie I maintained for a super long time. But in actual fact, I was just the one-man party machine for my entire group of friends. I remember drinking a lot. I got Michael Robinson, our director, said to me, you know, you really play the character best <clears throat> when you're sort of not doing anything. Like, mm-hmm. And I realised I could hit those notes for him when I was really hungover. So... Committed actor. Which is, you know, these are not great habits to be forming at 2021. I remember one time, like, a friend saying, you've got to stop, it's actually too much. Like, you just bought, like, all the drugs and alcohol for an entire party, and everybody's out of their minds, and you can't just keep catching taxis up the road to buy more, you know? <laughs> but do you remember that time we went to that, there was, like, a gay bar downstairs from the Venus Girls Strip Club or whatever on K Road? Oh, yeah. We were very drunk, and then we ended up doing crazy dancing in the middle of the floor while tearing at each other's clothes. Do you remember that? Yes. <laughs> Not until this moment. <laughs> um. So Belinda's currently having a fit at the moment. She's, she's going all sorts of colours and falling over and actually <laughs> I actually am. Because I do remember that. <laughs> we ripped each other's clothes off. Yeah. <laughs> this is all entirely true. <laughs> On the next episode of the worst sitcom ever made, we finally get onto the set, and I use the word set loosely. They had to remove the goddamn walls to get different angles, literally take the wall out, turn the cameras around so that they could have a sense of space, because the space was so small. The worst sitcom ever made is produced for RNZ by the Download Concept and Glenis Stewart. The studio engineer was Jeremy Veal. The coordinating producer for RNZ is Adam McCauley, and the executive producer is Tim Watkin. If you want to catch up on this or other episodes of the worst sitcom ever made, go to the podcast page at RNZ, or you can find it on most podcast apps like Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Radio Public, and Google Play. And while you're there, you can check out other RNZ podcasts like Go Ahead Caller, the worst sitcom ever made is presented by me, Jeff Halpern. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. 
for full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. 